1: I can't go wrong. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on November the 11th, 2008. For the newcomers who are listening in now, look into my website, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, and you'll find lots of previous talks I've given for free, which you can download, and it'll help you with shortcuts into understanding this big. Society we're living in this global system, how it came about and where it's supposed to go, who the big players are and who some of the originating foundations still are, that run the big democratic system outside of the scope of the public input, and how everything is coordinated, every major event is coordinated and planned, just like a big business plan long before you were born, in fact and implemented in the same manner. Long-term military strategy is used to plan the world and where it's supposed to go. And the big boys at the top will make it happen one way or another, even if they have to stuff square pegs into round holes and hammer it in, they're to try and do their best, and that's why we're seeing the emergence of the iron fist now. Force that is going to be used on the general public to make them comply into the next phase of the Brave New World scenario. Also, look into Alan Watt's Sentinel, and download transcripts and print them up and pass them round. And they are written in the various languages of Europe. Also, on my website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, you can find books to order, where I try to go through some of the codings, some of the histories and even how the religions have been used in the past to control society for long periods of time and how this new religion, the worst religion that's ever emerged, has taken over and how ruthless it will be. You can also buy DVDs and CDs and you can also donate, which keeps me going because this show is brought to you by you. And when the cash stops flowing, I go off and earn money because... This is not a job to me, and it's not a job to earn money either. It wouldn't, it wouldn't pay. There are ways to make it pay if I wanted to do a business, and I could bring on lots of guests who would sell you lots of products. But I try and keep that separate, and that's where the lucrative side is for most big shows. Now, we're rushing in to the next system And it's a step-by-step system. People think it's going to be one final ending and we get chipped and that's that. But no, every part of it, every step is just that. It's a step to make it easier for them to introduce the next step. Until eventually after their hundred years war, they've already got the reduced population. People today sometimes think they can sit back and wait for all happening or they'll say, I'll be dead by then anyway. Well, you see, they're already acids. They're already crippling society. Napkin talks about this over the last few shows I've done on how they're reducing the population. And people in hospitals now, who work in hospitals across the Western Hemisphere, know that the crisis situation in healthcare is really real because people are killing over at all age groups with various sicknesses, and it's planned that way. Back with more after the following break. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. As I say, or I said before the break there, we're on a a real roll now into uh, this increasing totalitarianistic society. And we're hearing the terms used of a world of service. Obama had it on his website. In fact, one of his speeches that's now been pulled just prior to the election to bring in a world of service, a country of service. The same terminology, in fact, he uses as the Cecil Rhodes Foundation for Global Governance and the Royal Institute of International Affairs or the CFR, which are both the same thing. The Global Citizenship, etc. All of these terms came from the Royal Institute of International Affairs. And they're on a roll now to bring in this global society. And most people think, well, what's wrong with that? We're all people. We're all decent people, aren't we? And we've had 40 years of indoctrination into the multicultural agenda to try not to make people really as so much accept multiculturalism, but to make them become less nationalistic. That was the real purpose of it. As I say, we're decent people. Why not have this global society? Well, it's not going to be the kind of fair society that people imagine. In fact, it could be a prison, your own country with its borders could be a prison, because you see, in the Brave New World scenario, according to Jack Satali and other authors who work now with the United Nations, the one who said that the next boat people leaving American shores will be Americans looking for work abroad, in his book Millennium, you'll find that they can keep you inside the border electronically. They were all electronically tagged. And it pushes on now for the chipped passport for all Canadians and U.S. citizens, Mexicans and so on, eventually will be extended all through the Americas, all Latin America, because they're all scheduled to come in to the system in the same fashion that they brought in all the other countries into the EU Economic Union of Europe. When it's time for them and have had enough work done on them and the same system has been introduced and accepted, then they bring them in. Long-term strategy long-term strategy. And I mentioned when this last farce of uh, an economic bubble, not quite burst, sort of bubbled a bit and floundered, but really they could have pulled that bubble one any time they wish because the stock market has always been rigged from its very inception. They could have kept the same con game going for another 50 years if they wanted to, So why did they do it now? Well, it's time, you see, to bring in the new economic society, where money and the power of the purse will be used to control every single person and make you behave and accept your new indoctrination of political correctness. And just like a computer program, every week you'll have a new version of political correctness, the double think that I mentioned last week of George Orwell and the ability to hold two opposing opinions in your head at the same time and believe in both of them. The schizoid system they're bringing in. This is from Reuters UK News, and how they're going to use this crisis, you see, to bring in their system. And this is from November the 10th, 2008. The Prime Minister of Britain, Mr. Brown, says... It's time to build a global society. The international financial crisis has given world leaders a unique opportunity to create a truly global society, Prime Minister Gordon Brown will say in a keynote foreign policy speech on Monday. You understand these men are just frontmen. They read speeches written by professional scriptwriters. There was even a scandal in Canada recently where the Prime Minister had read a script and it came out in the mainstream media that they borrowed most of it from the Prime Minister of Australia in one of his speeches. So they're just front men, you see. So he will say this, you see. I guess they handed it out to all the, the major newspaper companies before he gives a speech. In his annual speech at the Lord Mayor's Banquet, Brown, who has spearheaded calls for the reform of international financial institutions, will say Britain, will say Britain, the United States and Europe are key to forging a new world order. Something they can say without being conspiracy nuts. But if you mention it, you're a conspiracy nut. The alliance between Britain and the U.S., and more broadly between Europe and the U.S., can and must provide leadership, not in order to make the rules ourselves, but to lead the global effort to build a stronger and more international order, an excerpt from the speech says. Why not just print the speech up and it could save some bucks, you wouldn't have to go and attend this thing. Brown and other leaders meet in Washington next week to discuss longer-term solutions for dealing with economic issues, following a series of coordinated moves on interest rates and to recapitalize banks in the wake of the financial crisis. Uniquely in this global age, it is now inner power to come together so that 2008 is remembered not just for the failure of a financial crash that engulfed the world, but for the resilience and optimism with which we face the storm of oh, the poor scriptwriter, you know, a B-grade movie one. Brown will say in his speech on Monday evening, and if we learn from our experience of turning unity of purpose into unity of action, where we heard these terms before, we can together seize this moment of change in our world to create a truly global society. According to a summary of the speech released by his office, Brown will set out five great challenges the world faces. I always love five for the five points of masonry. These are terrorism and extremism, and the need to reassert faith in democracy. You should invent democracy, because we've never had it. It says the global economy, climate change, conflict, and mechanisms for rebuilding states after conflict. This is after they go in and flatten what's already there. You understand that war is a renovation job. Do you understand? That's what it is. When they blasted all of the infrastructure out of Afghanistan, their water supplies, the factories, they made the baby food. They were flattened, too. They claimed they were making chemicals there until they found nothing but, well, powdered baby food. But they flattened everything, and they, they also demolished all the old oil re, uh, refineries. They said they were obsolete. Therefore, it was better to bomb them from the air using U.S. tax money. And they would rebuild new ones for Halliburton and so on, which they've done. War is a renovation job. They did the same thing in Japan in the end of World War II. Plattened, burned out Tokyo. And big boys, big Halliburton's of their day get the contracts to go and rebuild them. But here he goes on here. He says, I'm meeting goals on tackling poverty and disease. Well, he's the guys. He's the guys who want to bring the population down by using disease. And as they say, well, the poor will always be with us. And they make sure of that. They've got to have the poor, you see, because you can always get one half of the poor to kill the other half. That's what the military's all about. That's how it works, this way. And you can always create class distinction and conflict when it suits them. Brown will also identify five stages for tackling the economy, starting with recapitalizing banks so they can resume lending to families <laughs> and businesses and better international coordination of fiscal and monetary policy, and then it goes on and on and on. This this handout that they give about the speech before anyone else actually gives the speech. That's quite a joke, isn't it? And then the other big story that I'm about is from the Guardian.co.uk. Police warn of growing threat from eco-terrorists. My see They've had 40, 50 years of building up the movements. And you'll find in movements that are radical for radical change, you always have the fringe group. They count on having the fringe group. The ones who live in a tiny little world of their own and are very paranoid about everything and everyone around them, they never have best friends and so on. And they'll often grab on a topic which gets rid of their angst, something to blame all their problems on. Therefore, when they create these big pressure groups, which are all funded, by the way, by the big foundations, the big, big foundations, fund all of these green eco-groups, this Earth Army, they also expect that some of them will start doing the terrorist stuff. So police warn of growing threat from eco-terrorists Pure deadly attack by a lone maverick, a lone maverick, a lone steer, as officers alert major firms to danger of green extremism. To get all, all future conflicts are set up by the same people. And this is by Mark Townsend and Nick Denning. The aftermath of a claimed attack by the Earth Liberation Front on a 4x4 car dealership in California. And it shows you the picture there of the thing getting burned. Police have warned of the growing threat of eco-terrorism after revealing they are investigating a group which has supporters who believe that reducing the Earth's population by four-fifths will help to protect the planet. Well, they better start rounding up the big players, like Mr. Rockefeller, because he said the same thing. And the, the group of masons that put up the Georgia Gainstones. And they better take David Suzuki as well, because he's also said it. They can't get other big players in the past, because some of them are dead now. But there's lots out there that have said the same thing. And they should round up all the people in the Department of Population control of the United Nations. Why not go after them all? They're really serious. but of course, are not serious at all. They need they need these earth armies to do their job, say, future problems. They create them. Officers from a specialist unit dedicated to tackling domestic terrorism are monitoring an eco-movement called Earth First, which has advocates who state that cutting the earth's population by 80% will ease pressure on other species. Officers are concerned a lone maverick eco-extremist may attempt a terrorist attack at, at killing Number of Britons. The National Extremism Tactical, (laughs) National Extremism Tactical Coordination Unit. You believe, we live in such an amazing time that don't we, when we have, we can't keep up with all the organizations, both uh, NGO types or supposedly official governmental organizations. And this will never end because they've got to create sections of them for every part of society where they might find problems which they now call terrorism. I'll be back with more after this break. Hi, I am Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix and we're cutting through the lies. And the misperceptions that come out of the lies. Because psychology and psychological warfare relies upon altering perceptions of masses of people. And it's quite easily done. It's a simple science. That's what your TV set is for. To alter your perceptions on pretty well everything. And to control you and to get you to go along with every major totalitarian thing that happens in life. While you are blissfully ignorant about its real intentions. We've watched the militarization of entire countries since 9-11. They were already militarizing the police forces long before 9-11. The think tanks that have published their findings to do with the Department of Defense on 30 years of riots, starting around 2010 or so, was all foreseen long before 9-11 happened. 9-11 was just the point where they kicked off the football to get the whole new American century going. That's what it was for. The excuse. They must have something to use as moral justification to create and start a war. That's number one in the rule book. To get back to this article... This is the National Extremism Tactical Coordination Unit, which collates intelligence and advice to police forces, has revealed that eco-activists are researching a list of target companies which they believe are major polluters or are exacerbating the threat of climate change. Well, there you go. They've created the fringe group, you see. They have their main line. You know, when you look at most societies down through time and how they've run them, the communists did it the same way. You had your official communist party and then you had the radical arm of it and you pretend they're unrelated and that's how you create change. And so the official spokesman will come out and say his piece to the public and the media and what they want and so on. And if they don't get what they want, the radical arm takes over and does the terrorist stuff but never like, taking the credit for the official side of it. That keeps the two technically separate in the minds of people. That's what they're using in this one too. Do your homework. Look into various organizations. You'll see how they worked in the past. The unit is is currently monitoring blogs and Internet traffic connected to a network of UK climate camps and radical environmental movements under the umbrella of Earth First, which has claimed responsibility for a series of criminal acts in recent months. A senior source at the unit said it growing evidence of a threat from eco-activists. We have found statements that four-fifths of the human population has to die for other species in the world to survive. While well, I'm giving them pointers, go into David Suzuki's talks on CBC. Wildlife programs, the nature of things, a term he copied from an ancient philosopher in Greece. There's lots of them out there who've started this whole ball rolling and helped to augment the paranoia amongst the fringe groups who will do all the dirty deeds to save the world, which they don't like very much, especially the people in it. That's reality of the world. It's all being set up by those who control it. And it's quite interesting, too, to, to watch how, again, the media portrays the things which should be obvious to everyone. And I've gone into culture creation and the industry of culture and how it's worked and managed and has been for an awful long time. That's fashion, music, the arts of all kinds, drama, everything, magazines and so on, even novels, are all set out there to, to again, give you different impressions or leave you with false perceptions of the world. In Canada and most British Commonwealth countries, and it's the same in the States, grants are poured out on authors, especially of children's stories, to write stories which include all the eco-stuff and the greening of the planet and how bad adults are, you know, the creating the terrorists of the future, getting paid by the government to do this. You must always do it when they're young, if you want a really good radical. But no one ties this together, that which is right in your face. You're not supposed to tie it together. You're meant to think that everything that happens in a radical fashion is a spontaneous combustion out of the ether that happens by itself. Look into who gets the grants, all the novelists who get the grants, under art grants. I think most of the Canadian authors live on them. And they're told what to write and what to include and what they must include in their novels. And an awful lot of these novels are aimed at young children. They say all adults are bad, they ruined the planet and left us with a miserable existence. He's from Yahoo News, a good example of schizophrenia in action. It says Teen pregnancies tied to taste for sexy television shows Monday, November the third Chicago, ground-breaking research suggests that pregnancy rates are much higher among teens who watch a lot of TV with sexual dialogue. Wow! I wonder what great team of experts came up with this. And behavior than amongst those who have tamer viewing tastes. Sex and the City Anyone, that was one of the shows used in the research. The new study is the first to link... The first show... Come on, who's who? The first, the first study to link... Those viewing habits with teen pregnancy, my God, eh? who'd have thunk? Who'd have thunk that overloading children in their teenage years with sex would make them try to, anticipate, try to participate in sexual behavior? Wow. Thank God for the experts. Back with more after this break. You're
2: listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network, because you can handle
1: the truth. I'm Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the matrix. We're cutting through the false perceptions and all the the nonsense that's turned out to the public for information. Information, bits and bytes. That's how people talk and think now in bits and bites as they're reduced into linguistic minimalism. And this article that ties teenage pregnancy and, and sexual behaviour to television viewing, this amazing research done by experts. is astounding, isn't it? Who would have thought who would have thought you could influence behaviour by massive fiction containing sexual scenes and so on? Who'd have thought? Eh? I wonder who. Oh yon! But it says here the new studies are first to link those viewing habits with teen pregnancies. lead author Anita Chandra, a Rand Corporation behavioral scientist. These are the same characters who led us through the Cold War and altered the behavior of whole populations in the Western world. The Rand Corporation. Teens who watched the raciest shows were twice as likely to become pregnant over the next three years as those who watched fewer such programs. Previous research by some of the same scientists, actually paid full time to to, to deal with common sense, had already found that watching lots of sex on TV can influence teens to have sex at other ages. Well, I'm stunned. I'm utterly flabbergasted at this amazing scientific revelation shows that highlight only the positive aspects of sexual behavior without the risk can lead teens to have unprotected sex before they're ready to make responsible and informed decisions, Chandra said. The study was released Monday in November, issue of Pediatrics. It involved 2,003 12- to 17-year-old girls and boys nationwide questioned by telephone about their TV viewing habits in 2001. It also shows you how, how that generation have no idea of privacy at all, will answer all these tel- telephone interviews about their sexual habits. Mind you, it's all up in my space, I suppose. Anyway, teens were re-interviewed twice the last time in 2004 and asked about pregnancy. Among girls, 50 became pregnant during the follow-up, and among boys, 33 said they'd gotten a girl pregnant. Participants were asked how often they watched any of more than 20 TV shows popular amongst teens at the time, or which were found to have lots of sexual content. The program included sex in the city, that 70s show, and friends. Pregnancies were twice as common amongst those who said they watched such shows regularly, compared compared with teens who said they hardly ever saw them. There were more pregnancies among the oldest teens interviewed, but the rate of pregnancy remained consistent across all age groups among those who watched the racery programs. So Chandra, the expert here, the RAND Corporation expert, said, TV watching was strongly connected with teen pregnancy, even when other factors were considered, including grades, family structure, and parents' educational level. Well, we could have saved them all the money, all the taxpayers' money for these studies, because Bertrand Russell found all this out in his experimental schools in the 1920s. And that's what, basically, is running the system today. Astonishingly, the, the stuff they rehash under new guises of scientific study, and how amazed they are to find out that Monkey see, monkey do. Something that Plato said about the dramas they showed in ancient Greece, and how the public would mimic that which they saw on stage. Astonishing, astonishing, isn't it? I should maybe start doing these 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 things myself. These these particular investigations, hang a shingle up, and get government contracts to give them common sense answers. Well, we'll go to the the callers now, and we've got Rose from Atlanta on the line. Are you there, Rose?
3: Yeah, Alan, I'm here. How are you doing tonight? Not so bad. Yeah. um, Just want to thank you for going five days a week,
1: Mm
2: -hmm. and I'm going
3: to send you a little something to help help that out a little bit. But the reason I called, and you know the only time I call in is when I really have something to say, and... um, For the holiday, for the Halloween weekend, I took a trip to meet another awakened individual because sometimes you have to seek them out outside of your local area because they're far and few between. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the um, nice surprise of the trip was finding a, a bookstore with a lot of old and vintage books, and I found this book called *The Eugenic Manifesto* and it says it's written by Prometheus. <laughs> uh, yeah. And the, um, the publisher had put a little sticky note on the inside saying this. Now, I don't know who it's addressed to, but it appears that it's addressed to somebody who can distribute these books.
1: Mm-hmm. And
3: it says, if we can take the initiative away from the civil rights movement by appealing to the altruistic principles of eugenics and evolutionary ethics, this will give us an unbeatable philosophical advantage that will enable us to win legitimate political power without recourse to force violence or illegal action can you help us distribute this book now for those people who think that the whole eugenics movement oh that was you know from decades ago and maybe it's not really full swing well this book was copyright published 1997 so it's pretty recent and it opens as such it says, we in the eugenic movement are not interested in competing against Adolf Hitler or Karl Marx for some minuscule little 1,000-year Reich. We are interested in competing with Jesus Christ and Buddha for the destiny of man. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. And he, <laughs> and he says, the ex- now I'm going to skip around here. The existence of man depends on the genetically capable individuals because they are the only ones who can maintain society. If the capable individuals are not born or educated, all the people will starve. In order to prevent human suffering, we must first take care of those who can maintain civilization rather than those who will never be able to contribute. Yep. Wow. They're That's a standard,
1: the standard. I, I tell you where you find a lot of those books, and I found a stack of them, was at one of the main banks of Canada, and it was they, they dumped, I guess, a good part of their library to get new books, and it was full of economics and eugenics, uh, just like the book you're reading.
3: Yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's, it's, this is like really psychopathic. And he says, when talks, he talks a little bit about the Declaration of Independence and how it's, um, you know, he calls it ancient political dogma. And then he goes on about talking about equality and, and you know, this life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Well, that, not everybody has that right Mm-hmm. So he says, not all men, Oh, all, excuse me, all men do not have an equal right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Only the ethical, moral, and law-abiding have a right to liberty. Only the productive and creative have a right to life, and only the wise have a right to the pursuit of happiness. Yes. That, that sounds
1: actually just a purely pure, like, pure pre doctrine. In fact, that's taught in some other books. And uh, their the, the books delve into eugenics in quite a big way, the higher up they go. But that sounds right out of it. Even the name, they'll have to get them names like Prometheus, the bringer of light. There's Lucifer, you know. And uh, we find that Weishaupt, too, call himself Spartacus and so on. So that's standard Freemasonic dogma.
3: Yeah. What's really funny is I wasn't looking for this book. It just popped out at me.
1: Yeah, these are the little miracles you get once in a while. And yeah, I had they, a drive in to find this yeah. book. <laughs> yes. That was a good, bar, a good find.
3: Oh, it was a really good find. In fact, the the, the store, um, the Liberty Bookstore, up in Avis, Pennsylvania. It's this little backwater town nestled into the the hills and mountains of Pennsylvania. You know, there's you know a pretty poor town, and but they have this very rich bookstore a lady who um, believes in she believes in books. She believes in people. You know, discovering the truth through through the books. Yeah. And um, she's turned she turned an old church into this bookstore and quite an amazing little place she has there. Does well, that's what we're herself. finding
1: now. You see, books are being dumped and burned and, and buried in in garbage dumps, and everything's now online. Except mm-hmm. so much of the important stuff now is you, you won't find online. In fact, they're taking books off the internet as we go under the totalitarian scheme of things so the history is going down the memory hole facts oh, yeah. are going down the memory hole Well,
3: they're taking them off the they're taking them off the library shelves as yes. well yes yes i bought yeah. a large number of books that they've all been the library books that were were taken off the shelves yes taken off and they're just like they're all excellent like a lot of ex-library books it's like why would they take this wonderful book off the shelf well mm-hmm. they don't want people reading it
1: that's right. You must, you, you must change the past to control the future. You must always eradicate the past, and that, that's what they're doing.
3: Oh, yeah. I remember that. Well, Alan, I want to thank you very much for everything you do, and I'll let you go for the next caller.
1: Thanks for calling.
3: Thank you. we
1: have got Joe from Florida. Are you there, Joe? Uh,
2: hello, Alan? Yes. Yeah, uh, just like the previous caller, I'll, I'm sending off a check. Um, so, Canada, I've addressed it, and I hope it helps you out.
1: Oh, it certainly it will. It keeps you
2: going to five days a week. Um, your, your information is priceless. Um, one of the questions I've, I've heard you make qu- a quick comments on, and I wanted you to go a little more in depth, and that is, did you say that, like, lotteries are frauds?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there have been some people here who have... See, the word lotto is, is, is a joke in itself. Uh, it comes from Ontario for instance they call it Loterio now Lothar or Lothario Loterio was the Pope who granted the Knights Templar their first charter so even that is Freemasonic but you'll find the winners in these major lottos whenever they do print a name which isn't very often if you go into the research you'll find they're just someone who's just retired from the police service like a police chief or from civil service, a bureaucrat, or or their wife or something, but it's always connected with someone who's generally, and this is how they pay off their the good workers for the great work, through lotos and schemes like this.
2: Yeah. All right, because, uh, you know, I, I play the lotto every week, and I'm wondering if I should just stop,
1: you know? Well, they say because you've because got more it, chance of being hit by a meteorite than winning it, and yeah, that's probably so. true, yeah.
2: But but to find out that it's actually, you know, I know that the odds were bad, but to find out it's actually a setup job.
1: Well, is, in, in, in know, Canada, uh, the CBC television did a documentary on one win where some, I think it was politicians or bureaucrats in the, the lotto office, because they run it here, uh, and they found out it was some sort of scam. They'd given some sort of deal to a woman from Hong Kong. She won a massive amount of money, but it, it obviously involved kickbacks. Uh, the CBC investigative team went to the guy who sold the ticket. He knew who was the real winner. And when they asked him if the police had even come down to inquire, after a month, they hadn't even been. So they're told to stay away. This is all rigged from the top down. Yeah,
2: Yeah. i never forget that uh, the head of the mafia in Boston had won at one time. I always thought that was kind of odd. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you a better
1: be one. Uh, when, when Bob Ray was the premier or governor of Ontario... In the 80s, he brought up the, the bosses from Chicago to set up the Canadian uh, casino systems that were going to be used supposedly to pay off our national or, or provincial debt. And that was all over the mainstream papers. He sat down with mafia chiefs.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but it, but it funds education, right, Alan? It's oh, yeah, education. yeah,
1: right, yeah. I, I don't know where, <laughs> but, but it's, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, I, another thing, I know you read all their books, and, and you know, I get, I get tired of, you know, I feel helpless. In a way, at times, and I'm just wondering, what are they scared of most? I mean, what, what, mm-hmm. what are they? I know they're 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 fearful of a peasant uprising, yeah. but I mean, is is there a way to fight them? I mean, because it sounds to me quite often that it seems like they've got everything thought out so far in advance that there's not yeah. much you can do except head for the hills. I'd like to fight them, you know. I'd like to figure out a way to get even with them.
1: Well, you the, have the, never had an open society where. The books are on the table and available to the public. That's never happened. And you're right, they're, they're, they're petrified of the mob, the people, because if the people ever found out what they'd really been up to, some drastic things would have to be done to deal with it. Therefore, they're terrified. And that's why they have the massive police forces, etc., built up, which are just military forces to deal with the coming riots and so on. But we've never had uh, a democratic system where everything's on the table. The world is run by deception and stealth, and that's the reality of it, to keep an elite in power, and the psychopaths gravitate towards the jobs uh, down below them to help them maintain that power. So it's utterly corrupt. As I say, the Tower of Babel is held together with with, with, uh, crazy glue and band-aids. It's so corrupt, you know, and they understand this too. They understand they can't keep it going forever with Band-Aid, so they're going to bring in, a, bring in a brave new world and simply eradicate their enemies, which are the people. And look at the trouble okay. they've gone to to keep us all dumb and stupid continuously. That's a lot of effort through propaganda and media and entertainment to keep us really dumb and stupid
2: is there, is there any way to recruit any self-hating psychopaths to join our side? I mean, maybe maybe we need uh, some of their cunning and some of their... Uh,
1: their yeah. uh... We need Well, we need their cunning. There's no doubt about it. And you can always follow the psychopathic um, mentality as to where they're going. Because Mandelhaus said a truth. He said, whatever happens in politics, whatever happens, there's always a good reason. And then there's the real reason. There's always another reason for anything that happens in society, true laws, etc. The public never catch on. I advise them to watch the the, the movie um, Gangs of New York because it had so much truth in there. And it did have Tammany, who was the mayor at the time, who was one of the biggest crooks out there, who who, who went through the whole system of politics uh, in the movie and how he even worked with the gangs and how they'd even hand over a few low-level crooks once in a while to hang them for public perception and feel better it was all ranged by the gangsters they're all one big group and nothing has really changed
2: yeah I just want to thank you and, and the information you give me it, it really you know I, I'm very active in the community and I keep getting proven right by events and a lot of that, that is due to guys like you and Alex Jones kind of enlightening me but the one thing is is that the more I'm proven right the more hostility yeah. that I receive, it, yeah. you know, you'd think people would be like a little more like pat you on the back and going, yeah, you sure called that one, Joe, and yeah, mm-hmm. that, you were right here, but it's like they get more and more angry at you.
1: It's they funny. do, and I've found this in my life too, when you do the right thing, uh, you'll find that people will look down to the floor, you show them up because of their inactivity, their unwillingness to jeopardize themselves, their careers or jobs or whatever, and 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 they, they hate you they hate you for showing them up because they know you've done the right thing and they don't have the guts to do it.
2: I think that explains it one hundred percent and I want to thank you and I hope you um, enjoy my little Christmas present
1: and I'll I'm be sure I will. It as much as I can. Thank you. Thank you too. And I've got Robert in New York. Are you there, Robert?
2: Hi, Alan. I'm just calling to ask if you have noticed with the uh, aerial sprain that I uh, I see for a majority of the time when they're not just spraying the entire horizon that they seem to specifically target the path of the sun. They seem to spray right in front of the sun, almost like they're trying to block it out. I want to know if you
1: had noticed that. It's part of it, but it's also to do, but there are so many photographs being taken of the spraying that they've been told to spray into the sun uh, outside the cities it's so hard for people to look up into the sun when they're doing it and uh i think that's the main reason for it to be honest with you but uh, i'll be back after this break with more cutting through the matrix, and just before the break, I was mentioning how they've changed their tactics now, because so many photographs, I've got hundreds of photographs sent to me from all over, and now they're doing it into the sun, and they love to do it now towards the evening as well, when the sun's low in the sky, and it's very difficult to look at it, and it's hard to photograph. In fact, some of the electronic cameras can, can be damaged by direct sunlight, so they know what they're doing. And one last caller, that's Boris from California. Are you there, Boris?
0: Yes, hello, Alan? Yes. Hi, nice speaking with you. Well, first time caller, and um, I just wanted to share a couple of things with you. Um, After reading your books, I looked at the, uh, and learning about the origins of, of some of the words that we use commonly in English language without even knowing what they really mean. Yes. I, I looked at um, Russian and some other languages that I know, and <laughs> I found some really, really interesting facts. And especially when I looked at the words that were um, developed or designed after the Bolshevik Revolution. Yeah. And I just want to share some, uh, one of the examples that I think is quite telling with you and your listeners. Um, the word Tavarish, which is quite known probably to most of the people, which means comrade. Mm-hmm. In Russian, and if you look at that word, the root of that word is tavar, which means uh, commodity. Yeah.
1: Isn't that interesting? Huh? It is. Even the word robot, I believe, comes from Russia, too.
0: Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, Robota, yeah. which is work, and also the very first part of it is rap, which is slave.
1: Ah, uh-huh, that's right.
0: Yeah, so. Here we are. And uh, a very interesting article you read today. And I wonder, you know, when we will start national discussions so experts could tell us that the sky is really blue.
1: Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, we really need these characters to, to tell us, and they'll do a survey. They'll take millions of dollars. looking at old artwork to see blue skies and real clouds, not the sticky ones, <laughs> but real ones, and we'll all be astonished when they, they come forth with their findings.
0: Yeah. Yes and and we certainly would appreciate those findings so we know we're on the right track you know yes um, well i wanted to thank you for all of the work you have done and i certainly hope that you will stay online as, as long as possible and these uh, five days per week well it's just wonderful so thank you thank you for calling i'll do my best
1: thank you and it's absolutely true we're, we're living in such a, a, a field and uh, and the perceptions are distorted all the time by the media. And even during exposés, it's always astonished me, especially on big companies like the CBC Canada, when they expose something, they cover just as much up or obfuscate it to some level where you, 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 you can't put two and two together. Obviously, they can't put two and two together in the same shows, even though the facts are staring them in the face. But that's, that's the system in which we live. Everyone in the mainstream gets permission as to what to say or what to expose to the public. But they're also told how to spin truth. They can tell a lot of truths, but at the same time they can spin it off into a red herring or a diversion of a lesser category. That's a, a common technique that's used. I watched The Sleep Room, where they did the, the MK Ultra from the CBC documentary. They missed a lot of the real truth out, didn't talk about using young children, which they did too, or how Cameron went off to become the head of the United Nations for child welfare. Well, from Hamish and myself in Ontario, Canada, it's good night, and may your God, all your gods, go with you. <music>